Hello, everyone. Welcome to Vanish Chicagoland Stories, the podcast, episode 36, season two. I'm your host, Pete Costanas. I'm glad you can join me today. And we have an interesting show coming up. And uh, this program is brought to you by Boston Sea Party Seafood Restaurant. And here is a commercial from 1983. your eyes on the Boston Sea Party Feast. We give you all this for one price. It's a celebration of seafood. Celebrate the Boston Sea Party. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, I am back. I'm glad you enjoyed that commercial for Boston Sea Party. Uh, I remember this restaurant. It was uh, around the early 1980s in Chicago. I'll give you a brief history uh, about the restaurant. And uh, Boston Sea Party was, was a chain, and it started around... In the year 1976, around during the U.S. Bicentennial. And uh, what's special about that, it had a 1770s theme. Of course, like around uh, when the uh, when Independence Day became a holiday on July 4th, 1776. And the waitresses wore floor-length colonial dresses with ruffled mop caps. Well, I don't know if they liked to wear – I don't know if any of the women that, that worked at waitresses enjoyed wearing that <laughs> – but it gives a certain charm. I can understand that. And uh, the menu consisted of all-you-can-eat seafood, and it was a buffet with an entree of choice of lobster, prime rib, or fish. And um, I have the menu up right here, and I'll read off a couple, a few items, and let's see what it says here. Uh, yeah, so... It broke down to piers. I don't know what that really meant because I've never been to this place. So I'm sure uh, people will listen in. And uh, I posted the menu a long time ago on my page on Van Chicagoland on Facebook. And uh, they also had, uh, let's see what they had. They had uh, seafood chowder. Um, they had shrimp, oysters, uh, bowls of caviar. And uh, let's see, for the entrees, they had uh, they had sea scallops, uh, poached scrod, crisp fried oysters, and uh, also Alaskan steam, Alaska, excuse me, Alaskan king crab legs. Mm, wonderful. You also find uh, barbecue ribs, uh, oysters Rockefeller, steamed clams, corn on the cob. And, uh, of course, Maine lobsters, which I mentioned before. Uh, also, they had steak, or uh, 
choice of rib beef au jus. I don't know how you pronounce it. I can't pronounce that thing. So you uh, you had a choice of New York strip steak or that rib of beef au jus. And uh, they also had desserts. So they had uh, fine che- uh, array, an elaborate array of fine cheeses, fresh fruit, uh, freshly baked pastries, cheesecake, old-fashioned strawberry shortcake. Oh, I love that. When it was in season. And also... Uh, you had wine and coffee, tea, any beverage you like. So that sounds wonderful. Uh, it didn't didn't really last long in Chicago. There were two locations. One was in Morton Grove and in Carroll Street. And I think a lot of people remember the one in Carroll Street. And uh, I don't know when they closed. So they were probably here, eh, probably a few years. And then... Uh, they were they were scattered in the United States, and the last one was uh, probably uh, they went out of business uh, in the late 1990s. But uh, probably I know there's one in um, a famous one in Atlanta in the Buckhead community, and it was in a it was uh, the the restaurant was in a historic farmhouse. Uh, they and it the decor consists of beautiful stained glass windows and. From a from a church they they acquired a wine cellar and one dining room with old brick floors and uh, it's that sounded beautiful you know if you go to a place that in colonial times you go to Jamestown Virginia or uh, Boston Massachusetts uh, what else like Washington D.C. and you visit or Philadelphia you know which I've been there. And it's a beautiful city, uh, very historical. And I went to see the Liberty Bell. That was fun. And uh, so it's a shame. So pe- today people still remember it. And uh, we've had seafood restaurants. Uh, they're still around like that. But uh, this was unique. So that's very nice. Okay. And uh, I want to mention that the uh, clips that you hear on my uh, podcast uh, they're credited by f- the uh, Fuzzy TV Museum, or is it f- excuse me, Fuzzy Museum TV by Rick Klein. And uh, if you have an old VH- VHS tape from the late 90s, I mean, excuse me, from the 80s or or early 90s, even earlier, yeah, he, he loves to collect them. You can uh, shoot him an email. He's at rick at fuzzy.tv. So if you have uh, old DH tapes lying around, you can donate them to him. Or if you have any questions, just email to him. Okay. All right. So the next thing we talk about is Carol's Red Hanger Shops. Now, uh, I'll give you a little history of that. And uh, let's see. So that opened. It was located on State Street on the corner of Randolph. And it opened. The, the address was at 36 North State Street, and it opened on October 17th, 1948. And the pers- the man who founded the business, his name was Herb Carroll. It was spelled K-A-R-O-L-L. And uh, he had other locations in the Chicagoland area. One was at uh, 348 East 47th Street. 1240 South Halsey Street, which was at uh, around uh, Maxwell Street, 
And of course, at 3201 West 63rd Street in the Marquette Park neighborhood. And there was another one, and it was it was at Fort City Shopping Center, which I remember fondly. Uh, I don't know what year it opened, probably in the late 60s. And I remember the beautiful clothes they had, beautiful suits, ties, shirts. Oh, quality, beautiful quality. And, um, you know, and, uh, you know, it was a, ni- a very nice store. I remember the commercials on television and Carol's, um, it was called Carol's Menswear. That's what they call it, or men's store. Uh, I remember, I think. When I was in grade school, I think my mother took me there to Fort City to buy a probably a suit. I think she did. Uh, probably, probably not. I don't remember. I have to ask her. But I do remember buying a. Few, uh, I remember her buying some shirts and some ties, and she said she loved that store and the customer service was wonderful. And uh, also, that business is sort of still around. I, I'll explain in a second. And. Uh, the store is located, uh, let's see, where's the address? Here it is, at 175 North Franklin Street. And it's called Richard Bennett Custom Tailors and Shirt Makers. And the man who, own, who owns this store in, uh, is his grandson, Albert Carroll. And uh, so he probably, uh, probably learned from his grandfather, his father, and uh, so he carried on the business. It's not called Carol's anymore, but they still they still have suits and ties and shirts and alterations. You know, there's a tailor in the store. If you need alterations, you can uh, they could do that for you when you purchase a suit. Uh, you don't find many places like that anymore. The last time that happened to me is I bought a suit at Carson Perry Scott in Orland Park. And uh, it was a beautiful suit. And the man who waited on me said that we don't do all alterations here. We do it at another location, which is odd. They don't do them in the store. Uh, so that was changing. And uh, I said, fine. So we left the, I left my suit there to be altered. They waited for a few days. And then they contacted me at home. And I picked it up. And it was beautiful. So... Uh, Sometimes it's hard to find a place for alterations, uh, you know, independent in, at independent stores, you know, or department stores, which are fading away. And it's a shame. So uh, that business I just mentioned is uh, located at 175 North Franklin in the Chicago Loop. And uh, it sounds very nice. You know, uh, I still love to dress up. You know, uh, but, uh, you know, for special occasions, it, you know, suit makes the man, you look so elegant and very handsome and debonair, you know, I guess that's the way I am. <laughs> okay. So uh, the last thing, okay. So uh, the last thing I will talk about is the history of channel 66 uh, WGBO. And, uh, it has an interesting. I have. It has an interesting history with a lot of uh, format changes with that. So uh, first, it was called WFBN, and that went on the air in September eighteenth, nineteen eighty one. And uh, it was a public access. They ran public access programs. 
during the day. And they also had a subscription television service called Spectrum. I'm sure people remember that during the night. So uh, right now I will play two, uh, what do they call it? Station ID, Station ID's bumpers. One is for WFBN TV Channel 66. And the other one is WGBO TV Channel 66, Super 66, if you remember the, the Logan. So I'm going to play those two right now. Channel 66, WFBN Joliet. Chicago's Superstation, WGBO TV. Okay, I'm back. I hope you enjoyed those um, station ID bumpers. Uh, I want to, before I start talking about uh, Channel 66, uh, I want to mention the Carol's uh, Red Hanger Shop. Um, it was founded by, uh, his, his name was Samuel Carroll. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, for him and his brothers in 1929 formed Herbert's Men's Shops. And then they and they sold the company and opened and opened Carol's Red Hanger Shops in the 1940s. So that's uh, that's how it started. Um, I apologize for neglecting to mention that uh, about the, in the beginning of the story about Carol's Men's uh, Carol's Men's uh, Wear Store, which is Carol's Red Hanger Shop, Red Hanger Store. I remember the uh, Red Hangers. I found a couple of them on eBay. I posted them on my Chicago Land. Uh, Facebook page a long time ago, and those are very rare, very pretty. Okay, now we get back to Channel 66, which I mentioned before. Uh, first, it was uh, the call letters for WFBN. Begin, uh, they begin, the first one on the air in September 18, 1981. Uh, and then uh, during the during the nighttime hours, it ran Spectrum Programming. It was a subscription television, like on TV, which aired on Channel 44, WNSS, WSNS TV, excuse me. And um, But that debuted on Channel 44 in 1980. So that was like, and uh, I sent some competition. So like then, so they were rivals. So I'll give you a brief history about Spectrum. Okay, and Spectrum... It was only available in two uh, cities in the United States, in Chicago and Minneapolis-St. Paul. I'm surprised about that. Uh, they also, oh, they also aired in the Cincinnati and Dayton uh, area in Ohio, which used the on TV brand. That's very interesting. Okay, and uh, the company was owned by United Cable. You know, I tried to search on. You know, do a Google search about that company. I couldn't find anything, which was interesting. And uh, I also wanted to find a scrambler box. You could find a, scr- a scrambler, a scrambler box, unscrambled box. Excuse me, on uh, for on TV. I think I've I've seen them on eBay for sale, and uh, but not Spectrum. The, other, the closest I get is like a part of a program guide. I want to find that too. You know, that's very rare to find because it was only in business for a little while. So anyway, and uh, by 1983, they had 60,000 60, subscribers. 
Uh, very small potatoes compared to on TV, which had 125,000, and it did not turn a profit. So, um, also uh, in Chicago, they uh, they launched that. Uh, no, I'm sorry, United Cable, the the company that owns Spectrum, they they launched it in the Twin Cities on September 22nd, 1982, and uh, so that was. Uh, that was second, actually. You know, the Chicago, the the Chicago one, which is WFBN, uh, went on the air first. So um, they didn't make much money, but people do remember. But uh, it was very similar to on TV. They had programming at in the evening, and then they had adult programming overnight. They also did that on Spectrum, but um, it didn't last very long. So. Uh, it, Spectrum went out of business in 1984 in February. And while they, uh, so they were plan, so WFBN was planning to be a syndicated uh, TV station and just like WGN and uh, WFLD, which is channel nine, channel 32 and uh, channel 44 at the time, which is WSNS. Uh, they went to span, they went to Spanish language station in the mid 80s so so uh during 1984 uh they just broadcasted music videos which at the time was very popular you know because of it, when mtv launched in august of 1981 that uh that took off it was very popular and uh, i will talk about mtv the early days and uh on its 40th anniversary in August, which would be kind of uh, quite fun. And uh, so during the summer of 1984, they just aired uh, music videos and it was still called, uh, it was called Music 66. Also on uh, WPW, they had a, they had a video show, Music Video 60. So they had that too. And I watched it. They aired it in the morning and they most said in the afternoon and night, but uh this one on WFBN, they aired it 24 hours a day. And I happened to find a – someone recorded a portion of that. And uh, Rick Klein, who owns uh, Fuzzy Memories TV, uh, or Fuzzy TV Memories, keeps forgetting that, uh, he, he he posted that on his uh, page on Facebook. And I watched it. It was fun watching that. But there was no uh, – then it was commercial free only if they had a station break or they uh they show on the bottom of the screen the 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 identification of the TV station which was cool and it was fun to watch i remember watching that and uh, they had some video they played some videos very popular videos in the 80s like Duran Duran to Tina Turner uh Hall and Oates uh Billy Idol but they also aired videos that were not fam- uh, very not familiar with everybody very obscure ones which is interesting okay and uh after that so uh so spectrum just went bye bye and some people still remember it to this day uh hope like i mentioned before i hopefully i can find a a unscrambler box and a program guide. I would love that on my Facebook page. That'd be really nice and cool. Okay. Then, um, then, uh, channel 66 started airing, uh, reruns 
and old movies. And uh, it was, they didn't do much of, it wasn't much of a fanfare. They didn't advertise much. So um, I do remember um, some of the, sh- the reruns that aired, they aired Green Acres, uh, The Avengers, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe RFD. Um, but uh, let's see what else. I can't think of any. Uh, there was Mary Tyler Moore, Show, Maud, All in all the Family came later. So I'll get into that in a second. And then they changed the call letters from WFBN to WGBO. And it was in, in that took effect January 4th, 1986, and adopted Super 66 for their air branding. And I remember the commercials. And one of the television shows that they uh, promote heavily was the primetime soap opera Dallas. And uh, I remember seeing the commercials and uh, they did some advertising for White Hen with that. And I remember I worked downtown uh, at the time. I worked at City Hall and I remember the advertisements on the on the buses, on the side of the CTA buses. And I remember the slogan that said, get your daily dose of Dallas on WGBO TV channel 66, your super 66 station. So, yeah, so that was, uh, I like this station. It reminded me of uh, when Channel 44 aired all these wonderful reruns. I talked about that in previous podcast episodes. You know, I still miss that kind of, it was quaint and not fancy like today. But Super 66 uh, stayed on for the, it stayed on for the, on the air for quite a while. They also had uh, daily simulcast of, uh, CNN and headline news. Also, they had uh, college basketball games from Loyola, which was cool. And uh, so that went on for about yeah, five or six years. And then uh, so then Univision came and then it bought WGBO and uh, the regular program got dropped. And now it's a uh, it's uh, I think Telemundo. Did I mention that? I think I did. Univision, excuse me. Yeah, it was Univision, and to this day, it's still on the air. Channel sixty six on WGBO airs Univision, and they've been there for a long time. So, but you know, the the reception and is much better now. So I do catch I catch a couple times on Channel Six. It's all Spanish programming. I don't understand Spanish, so I kind of, so you sometimes you see the ghosts of uh, WG uh, WGO WGBO. Excuse me. So um, I don't know where they got the where them st- stood for. I don't know WGBO. I have no idea. And. Uh, F- WFBN, I'm not sure. I think it's financial, something had to do with financial uh, broadcasting network. I guess it's called that. I don't know. We'll see about that. Okay. So uh, enough of my rambling. <laughs> so I hope you enjoyed uh, this episode, uh, Walking Down Memory Lane, kind of clums- uh, in a clumsy way. So and uh, it was very interesting topics I spoke about today. So I'm glad you joined me, and uh, hopefully you can join me next time. Hopefully I, uh, I might do a podcast tomorrow morning. 
and then uh, the Fourth of July. We'll see. Maybe we'll do a theme of uh, about the Independence Day in Chicago. We'll see. I'm going to do some research, and uh, so that'll be all for episode 36, season two of Grand Chicago Land Stories, the podcast. And uh, I will post this on my social media post on my social media accounts. And also, it's also on YouTube. You can catch it there. And uh, oh, let's see what else. Oh, and my um, podcast uh, platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Okay, so this is Pete Costanis signing off. And I hope uh, ha- everyone have uh, the rest of a good weekend. And enjoy yourselves. And bye-bye for now. And here's Ray Rayner saying bye-bye for now. Take care, everyone. We have to go. Bye, bye, bye.